The first lesson is taken from the second chapter of Isaiah, beginning with the first verse. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. The word of the Lord. The second reading is taken from the 13th chapter of Romans, beginning with the 11th verse. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, but in revealing and drunkenness, not in debauchery and liciousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. The word of the Lord. Gospels from the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 24, starting at verse 36. Glory to you, O Lord. But about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away, so too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken and one will be left, keeping awake therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake he would and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. And at this, you may be seated, and at this time I invite the little Lutherans. Just one today? Two? Where are your kids? This one. Oh, there we go. Okay. All right. So, who did their homework this week? Who remembers what the homework assignment is? Gavin. I can't remember. Jackson, do you remember the homework assignment? Yeah. No. Do you remember what you were supposed to do this week? Oh, my goodness. Ava, do you remember? Hmm. You were all supposed to do an act of kindness to somebody or something this week, right? You have a list of things you can pick from. Can you think of anything that you did that was kind to another person this week? Think really hard about your week. 
What did you do that was kind? Jackson, did you, did you do anything kind this week? Anything at all? Did you help mom and dad with the baby this week? Yes. You did? Well, that was kind if you were helpful. Would what, oh, yeah, you shared your toys with all your friends. That was kind. Grant, what did you do that was kind? Did you get your brother something when you went to your birthday party? You brought him something home, right? And that was kind. You were thinking of Gavin while you were there. So you did do something that was kind. You have to think about it and remember what you did so you can share it with us next week. Okay, so you have one more week for homework. One more week. And you're going to think of one more thing this week to do for someone else, okay? Can you do that? All right, how many candles do we have lit? Two. So this is week what? Three. three. This is week three. And we have fun little activity. We're going to try this. This might be interesting, so bear with us. We're going to do something. I'm going to sneak right behind you. You're good. Okay, guys. All right, Jackson, pull one out of here. Just one. Just pull one out and tell everyone what it is. What is it? It's a letter. Oh. It's an O. Okay, Gavin, pull one out. Pull it, lift it straight up. What is it? Yay! Pull yours out. What is it? Why? Okay, guys. What do you think? What does that spell? Can you think about it? Joy. Nice job. Okay, let's get in the right way, though. Here, you come down here. Gavin, you come over here. Over here, you're Jay, you're first. So Gavin, Yay! then Jackson, hold it down here so we can see Everett. it. Here you go, Grant. Yep, they're a little glittery. Stand here. Okay, show everyone. Lift them really high. Show us what your letters are. Nice job. So what do you think our third candle is about? Joy. Okay, stay right there. I'm snapping a quick picture and then we'll keep moving. Look at me, look at me. Smile. Okay, perfect. Okay, so go ahead and put your letters down. Yeah. joy candle. Oh, Jody. <laughs> okay, sit down. Now they can read. That's not so cool. <laughs> All right, so it is about joy. What is joy? What does joy mean? Do you need to keep those? No. What is joy? J. What is joy? What is what is it? Who can define joy? Is it? Yay! Yeah, it's being happy, right? You're so happy you could jump up and down. You have a lot of joy in your heart. It's like if you went to jail and then you came out. <laughs> if you go to jail and come out of jail, that's what joy feels like. <laughs> yes, Jackson, you're probably right. They probably have a lot of joy in their heart when they come out of jail. <laughs> Grant, can you think of what's joy for you? Because they could go back in jail now. Well... What else? Ava, do you have joy? Are you joyful? Does your teddy bear bring you joy? Maybe your binkies bring you joy. She's got two of them. All right, so who brings us joy? Sit down. Who brings us joy? Yeah, Jesus gives us that emotion, right? We can have joy in our hearts because we know Jesus is coming to save us. 
he was born for us. So we're going to light the third candle today. Yeah. That means joy. And what else is, who knows joy what's different about the joy candle? Yeah, it does. But does anyone know? Look up here at our candles. Do you know which color we're lighting today? Purple. Pink. We're lighting the pink one. Today ah, is the pink candle. I thought we were lighting the purple one. Nope, we're going to light the pink one today because that's our joy candle. So we're going to go ahead and let um, Frank light the candle. We're going to sing the song, and then we'll end with a prayer, Mom, okay? Um, on the pink one is Christmas Eve. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we're so grateful we can gather as one, as family, as your children, to come before you to worship and to praise you. We ask you, Lord, as always, to take this opportunity to renew us, to, to um, transform us so that we can continue to live according to your will and be the light that people who often are in darkness can see you through us. In your name we pray. Amen. So today's um, gospel text is a scary text, and it reminds us that we live in this um, paradox as Christians. And really, if you really look at the Christian life, we are in constant paradox. We, we um, even as Lutherans, our theology is somewhat paradox. You know, we live under the law, and we live in the, in the gospel, law and gospel. We live in, um, in this uh, season of Advent, in which speaks of coming for the coming of the baby Jesus, but also we await the second coming of Christ. That 
is another paradox. In this season where we are to celebrate and are excited about the coming of Christ and the gift that Christ gives us, but we are also in traditional Christianity, in a way we are supposed to prepare, slow down, not worry about what's going to happen in the end time and, and, re, and, and reassess our relationship with God, with the church, and with each other. So this season is this really uh, time of confounding uh, paradoxes that we have to weave through. And perhaps that's why people don't understand it and are often busy doing other things because it is so complicated in many ways. I'd like to spend this time just to simplify it a little bit for you. And if you read today's gospel text, it's one of those, one of those, one more uh, uh, paradox, right? This is the time we're supposed to be celebrating, having fun, joyfully expecting the coming Christ. But yet we get this scary text where doom is coming, you know, chicken little type of things, where the world is coming to an end. When you hear those preachers on the street corners who says, the end is near, are you saved? kind of uh, message. That's what today's gospel text. And how is it that it fits here when it should be about a time where Christ is coming and is going to help us avert all of the scary stuff? But that's what this season is really about. It's perhaps the most complicated season in all of this church year. It is the one that really requires us to really deeply think through our relationship with God and our understanding of God and, and our relationship with God so that we can make sense of it. So I just want to simplify it by saying this. The Advent season is a season that from the very beginning of the church history was one of two times in which we are not only invited, but in many traditions required to make penance, to, to, to come because the thinking is that we are so unworthy of God that if we were to expect to see God, we ought to, we ought to make ourselves as worthy as possible. And so there are the two times that we are required to really think through and make our penance with God. That, the first one being Advent, is the first thing you do at the beginning of the year. And in a way, it's kind of like the Jewish calendar. The Jewish calendar starts with the two holy days, right? Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And Yom Kippur is the day of atonement, where we, where the Jewish people, they are to sit all day and make amends with God, be in conversation with God, and just sit there and wail upon God all the mistakes they have made. And if there are people that they have to make amends to, they spend the second half of that day making phone calls. Verizon loves it. And they are always, that phone line, is that second half of the day, is they're either walking to their neighbors or finding a way to make amends for every little slight that they think they may have made in the previous year. So their calendar starts sometime in early October or late September with Yom Kippur. In a way, it's saying we are starting a new year with new relationship, with everything fresh and new again. It's that renewal sense that they have. And so in a way, we, our church calendar starts with this idea that we need to take this time to renew our relationship with God, but with each other. Because how can we expect the second coming or the newborn Christ when we are so unworthy if we haven't worked on our, on our relationship with God to begin with? And so this season, in many ways, is a season that invites us. And we use the word invite now because it's not so critical. We have our, our theology makes it so that because of grace, we don't need to spend this time always in self-hating uh, you know, and 
and flagellation, but more about self-preparing for Christ. There's a difference. And so we are invited in this time to make ourselves as prepared as possible, to make ourselves worthy of Christ as possible. Not because we need to, but because we want to. And that's our Lutheran understanding of this year, I mean this time of year, of the Advent season is our preparation. The preparation that is not required, but we want to because we love our Lord. And we want to be as prepared as possible for that great gift of the, of the baby Christ and of the second coming of Christ. The other thing, though, about Advent, it is an invitation also for us to then see life in a whole new way. What I have, I once heard one of my professors in seminary uh, give a whole Advent sermon at one of our daily chapels. And he said that Advent is, yes, can be a scary time when you read the texts for that season. Every year we get at least one and sometimes two Sundays where we're focusing on the end of the world, whether it's from Matthew or Luke or Revelation. It's always a scary set of texts, and it leaves people confounded and confused. But he says, really, what those texts tell you, it should be that it is really a gift. Because in the end, the world may fall apart, but Christ is still standing. It is the gift that when everything is going out of control, Christ is there. It is a text that should, at the bottom of it, be a source of confidence, a source of hope. And so, as a result, he spoke on Advent as season of hope as a season that even in the darkest of the light, uh, of, the, of the year, where the light is not all that visible, where we, are, we, are more, we dwell more in the dark of the day than we do in light. And as we get closer to Christmas, that becomes even more true. I can't believe the light, I don't see the sunlight until 8 o'clock, it seems like, in the morning. And that this is the dreary time. And growing up in Minnesota, I remember one year, one year, we went 40-some days without sun. Yeah, it was depressing. Though it's a great state. You know. And uh, it's just dark, dark, and miserable time. And the message that this professor shared is that it really is a time of grace. Because we, as children of God, we see that in this darkness, in when, or we have, have seasons in our lives which things is falling apart, and it really is... Uh, re, uh, these texts reminds us of the gift that Christ is still there, that in all of the chaos, Christ is still there. We just finished doing what seems like two years of, of revelation, and in the end, Christ is there. Christ is in charge, and everything else may fall away, but we have this rock on which we can stand on. Revelation reminds us that as we prepare for the gospel, I mean for the Lord through our today's gospel, and through all the other readings of the gospel, we are reminded that while it is dark, Christ is there, Emmanuel, Christ with us, always. And that in the darkest of time, in the moments in which we feel the most distant from God, God is with us, Emmanuel. God walks with us. One of the famous sermons of Martin Luther, I had to go back and look at it today, I mean uh, this week, and um, it was rather fascinating. He Back in those days, a sermon in the Lutheran church was like an hour and 15 minutes. You want me to recite the whole sermon? No. Yeah. But 
Let me just recap in one line. He says, in darkness, God is there. And he repeats that numerous times, that he says in various ways that in darkness, God is there. In the chaos of the world, God is there. He goes back to Genesis, that in the beginning there was chaos. If you look at the original Hebrew of the very first two verses of Genesis, what does it say? In the beginning there was a void. The word void in Hebrew is chaos. It doesn't mean that things are just crazy. I'm sure it does, you know, but that there was nothing that made sense. But in the beginning, as John 1 says, there was the word. God was there. And Martin Luther speaks of the Advent season is a, is a time in which we have to remind ourselves that it is a commentary on so much of our lives, that so many times we do feel like we are walking in darkness. It doesn't have to be in December. It could be in July. That there are so many moments in which we just are lost in this world. We don't know what our next step is. Maybe it's because when we lost our job, experiencing a divorce or separation of family, whatever it may be, we experience these moments of listlessness and lost and confusion. It is in those moments, Martin Luther says, that even in the earliest of history, when things didn't even make sense, God was still there. John reminds us that it was the word and the word was God that stood in the midst of that chaos. And so this season is really not a paradox. When we break it down, we remember that this is the season in which we are invited to prepare for this wonderful gift that is Christ because it is in Christ that we stand on our solid rock. It is in Christ that we are given hope, we're given a future. It is Christ that gives us a definition of the world that we live in and a sense of direction in which we can follow. It is in Christ that we are given the strength to pursue the life God has given us. And it is in Christ that gives us the courage to go and proclaim the light to those who are also walking in darkness. This is a season that invites us, I mean, that on the face of it is extremely scary. But when you read the great writers of history, of the church history, what you find is it is a season of great hope. And so it is not a coincidence that we take this day to celebrate joy and that the other candle was peace and the other candle that we already lit is hope. Because invariably, when you read and really study the texts of the Bible and the great sages of church history, what you find is that this season is not the doom and gloom of Matthew or Luke texts or even Revelation, but it really is a text that gives us insight into the life that we have into the gift that Christ brings and into the life to come that Christ has promised us. So the gospel that I want you to remember that we move forward is that no matter how dark this world seems to get, and it's, we have a few more days where it gets darker, <clears throat> that it is really a time of great promise, a, gr a time of great blessing, a time in which Christ brings us closer to him. And how does he do that? Because he comes, he becomes like us. I've had the luxury of studying other religions, both in college and in grad school, and I've discovered what I've heard before, and you've heard it, that our religion is the only religion where Christ comes and, be one, and is one of us. And that's where he brings us closer. We are not praying to an aloof God. We are praying to a God that walks with us, Emmanuel. Let us pray.
But Lord, we're so grateful that you continue to beckon us to you, that you continue to find ways to draw closer to us. We ask, Lord, that in the times where we seem the most lost, your voice is loud. When we see no way, when we see no way to take the next step, that we see your guidance. And that when the world is just utterly in chaos, we can see your rock on which we stand and take that promise and live on that promise of you being with us always so that we can then become a symbol of hope, of joy, of peace for those who are in search of all, of meaning of you in their own chaos and in their whirlwind of confusion. Lord, we ask you to give us strength always, to give us courage always, but to keep us ever mindful that you call us every day to, to live with you, to live in you, and to be your servant to the community around us. Because by being your hand and feet, we are given the opportunity to proclaim and to bring people closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Please rise as we um, confess our faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again, 
He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. <clears throat> United with the saints of every time and place, let us pray for the church, those in need, and all of God's creation. Lord, as we walk closer to the manger, keep us ever mindful of all the gifts that are in our lives now. Keep us grateful and keep us thankful for all those who have made our lives easier and much more meaningful. We're grateful for our parents, our children, our grandparents, our grandchildren. We're grateful for our friends, our colleagues, and all those who make our lives so much more richer. Keep us ever mindful of those and let us find ways in which we can show that gratitude and thankfulness. Lord, we lift up to you all those who continue to dedicate their lives to serving your people, especially those who are lost and are in darkness. We lift up to you, as always, those that are currently on call right now, whether they're at the fire station, the police station, hospitals, or in other capacities that are unknown to us at this time. We ask you to grant them a sense of deep purpose, a sense of your presence. Lord, we lift up to you all those who dedicate their lives to making this world a much safer place, a much more beautiful place, a, a place where all people can feel safe. We lift up to you all, our, all the leaders in Washington and Harrisburg, the president, or vice president, our governor and lieutenant governor, all the legislators in D.C. and in Harrisburg, but also all the leaders in our municipalities. We ask you that they continue to find ways in which they can make decisions according to your will and find ways in which they can make your light shine better to the community in which they serve. Lord, we lift up to you all those servants who serve your church, those in this congregation and those who in congregations around the world. There are times when serving your church can be frustrating, can be confounding, and can be just really not all that great. But Lord, keep us ever mindful that we serve you, not man, that we serve you and not building or any one person, that when we do your work in this place and in other places in your name, we are serving you. Keep us ever mindful of that and that your gift is our service and that we can find the opportunity to serve you becomes our most wonderful gift. Keep us ever mindful that we serve you. We're grateful for all the servants of this congregation who has made this congregation to continue to sing loudly each Sunday, to serve you proudly, and to make the wonderful people in our community know that Fulmer is here. Help us as we move forward into the new year that we can double our efforts and make it so that others may know of the gift that you've given us to each and every one of us. Lord, we lift up to you all those who are hospitalized or in nursing homes and in various places. Allow us to be an extension of your light to them, whether they're here or in their places. We especially, Lord, lift up to you Herman, Holda, John, Robert, and Letha, Shirley, Randy, Ed, Cindy, Carl, 
and Carol. We ask you to continue to put your healing touch upon them and have your presence known all the more to them so that they can be with us in their ways and we can celebrate your gift in our lives. Lord, we lift this and all the other prayers, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Please rest. Let us pray together the offertory prayer. God, our creator, you give us all we are, all we have, all we bring, and all we need. Draw us together around your table with all your saints on earth and in your eternal home. Let us eat and drink your promise of new life that we might be your promise to the world, spoken in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, almighty and everlasting God. For you have proclaimed an eternal gospel to all who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. For this gospel, centered in Jesus Christ, we give you glory and we worship you who made heaven and earth. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, God of power and might, heaven and earth before your glory, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the
only God, holy and mighty, holy and immortal, you we praise and glorify. You we worship and adore. You formed the earth from chaos. You encircled the globe with air. You circled fire for warmth and light. You nourished the lands with water. You molded us in your image, and with mercy higher than the mountains, with, with grace deeper than the seas, you blessed the Israelites and cherished them as your own, that also we, estranged and dying, might be adopted to live in your spirit. You called us through the life and death of Jesus. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this for the remembrance of me. Together with the body of Christ, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. With this bread and cup, we remember your son, the firstborn of your new creation. We remember his life lived for others and his death and resurrection, which renews the face of the earth. We await his coming when with the world made perfect through your wisdom, all our sins and sorrows will be no more. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Holy God, holy and merciful one, holy and compassionate, send upon us and, and this meal your Holy Spirit, whose breath revives us for life, whose fire rouses us to love. Enfold in your arms all who share this holy food. Nurture in us the fruits of the Spirit, that we may be a living tree, sharing your bounty with all the world. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Holy and benevolent God, receive our praises and petitions. As Jesus received the cries of the needy, fill us with your blessing until needy no longer and bound to you in love. We feast forever in the triumph of the Lamb, through whom all glory and honor is yours. O God, O living one, with the Holy Spirit, in your holy church, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Now come now with the joy, with joy to the to Emmanuel's table. Feast at the banquet of hope and love. You may be seated. Let us pray. God of abundance, we give you thanks that in this holy meal you have invited us to feast with you and one another. May the taste of your love remain with us and may your, our words and work in your name invite others into your bountiful grace. Send us to your table to proclaim your presence, even as we await the glorious coming of Christ our Savior. Amen. And now let us receive the benediction. May God, who gathers us in love, lead you in pathways of righteousness and justice. May God, who knows us more deeply than we know ourselves, lead you in pathways of forgiveness and freedom. May God, who fulfills us with good things, 
lead you in pathways of equity and abundance. The blessing of the, of the Holy Trinity, one God, be upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Our closing hymn is number 629 in the Blue Hymnal. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. Let us share that peace with one another.